Hey, Kelly. Hello, Zach. How's it going? All right, it's going well. How about you? You know, living this Alberta dream. <laughs> You've had a sure an impressive list of guests on your uh, podcast. Wow. Thank you. Yeah, and I'm glad to have you on there. So that's exciting. Thank you. For Thank you. How's your home office doing? Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Enjoy it. Yeah, it's kind of nice to work out of the house. Yeah. Do you miss going out there to the headquarters? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, part of it I do because it's been a big part of my life for so many years, right? I've traveled to Toronto for every weekend for, oh boy, uh, 10 years or more. And I've uh, been going to Toronto, working out of Toronto in the playoffs for 20 some years. So, you know, when you get used to a city like that and you enjoy it, yeah, you miss some of those things. But but I certainly uh, do like working out of the house also. You know, I was looking into your book, Calling the Shots. That's oh, a, okay. A book. Yes. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> what is that, a zebra? That's a zebra, yeah. So I was born in Tanzania, East Africa, and I've had this like mm -hmm. ever since I was like a baby, and I've just been going house to house, and I'm like, I'm going to keep it up. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't me. <laughs> yeah, it could be a little controversial, but eh, it works. Well, you win or right. lose some. Yeah, exactly, right? Kelly, so I wanted to dive into a little bit on mental health. I know you brought it up sure. in May, and you said, you know, it's okay to not kind of hide behind something. You're doing okay. It has been something that's been uh, in our family for what we've openly shared. Um, we, she was, uh, uh, boy, this is going back. National Post did uh, articles on her and were different, but they beautifully captured her spirit. And uh, I mentioned a, what I called an episode content. They were just to stay in touch with people and so on and maybe share the odd hockey story. And, and that day I got up and I was like, you know, I know people kind of, you know, were waiting for a, a story on Friday and I had nothing to give. And so I, I think I went without one week and then following week I did the video with the, it's okay. And, you know, I, I think my message was just very clear to everybody. If you're going through something, don't do it alone. Uh, it's too difficult. You don't have to put yourself through all those painful experiences and, and just talk and get it out in the open and and uh, you will be surprised by the support. It's heartwarming. I got to tell you, really heartwarming. Um, when Caitlin, going back to her story back in 2013, uh, I was on the road. I was in St. Louis and she was here back in Calgary. And, and I got scared for her the night before. So we had a, a nice chat and I said, okay, I'm kind of worried about social media. And you know, all the bashers and haters and people that take shots at everybody on social media. So I thought maybe I should ask her if she still wants to go through this. She said she did. And uh, I got to tell you, Zach, much to my surprise, she didn't have one hater. Not one person attacked her. Not one person made fun of her. Uh, you know, it was just so beautiful. that, And that's the message that we always send, that it's okay. Um, you're, some people wake up and just they're not going to have a good day. And it's okay to talk about it. And, uh, yeah, it's really I'm, it's, it's so beautiful to me that all of us are having these conversations. Like, listen, honestly, two grown men like you and I talking about mental health, you know, 10 years ago, 15 for sure, that just was not happening. What would people do 15 years ago? Suffer in silence. It's pretty much it. I, I think for some people, they were seeking help. And I know for Caitlin, our daughter, we started getting her help in the summer of 2005 when her life became completely unmanageable. And, 
you know, I, I still look back on those days and I don't blame myself because I didn't know trouble was lurking. I didn't know what to look for back then. Uh, I certainly didn't ask the right questions, but she had all these uh, things going on in her life that uh, I took them as quirky little habits. And had I put them all together, Zach, I would have clearly known sooner that she had some problems until finally one day uh, she was getting dropped off at school the first day of school back for grade seven for her and she couldn't get out of the car I wasn't there my wife was there and uh, my wife Donna came back to the house and said if only you could have seen the sheer look of fear on her face so that day was the day we started getting therapy for her uh, we we're lucky we found a great psychologist here in Calgary uh, Dr. Kelly Mraz and and um, he started her on her path to uh, getting better. Was it anxiety or was it bullying or was it something that held her back? For her, it's anxiety and OCD. And uh, uh, she still has it to this day. It's interesting, Zach, this in a funny kind of way, like we do joke about it uh, when, you know, everybody's in a good place mentally and stuff. I'll tell you two stories. So um, during this pandemic, my wife and I were really afraid of what she was going to be going through mentally because her her fears are of disease and dying. So she wakes up every day thinking of those two thoughts, right? And so we thought, oh my gosh, with this pandemic, it's we're afraid to bring it up to her and uh, didn't want her to start to overthinking it again. And uh, after a few days, she said, we asked her how she's doing. She said, you know what? I'm doing fine because I wake up every day and it's a pandemic and it's been that way for years. So we never, that never occurred to us. Right. So every day for years and years, it's uh, you know, uh, a terrible, uh, she can have terrible thoughts about that. And, and secondly, what we try and do uh, in fun is uh, we'll ask her. Um, so what do you have today? And she'll say, well, I've got a brain tumor or I've got uh, you know, some other, um, disease or terrible ailment and and so we can laugh at that because it, it it is what happens to her you know another example zach so a few years ago we're at the house and uh we're sitting on the couch watching the 11 o'clock news at night and there came a story on the uh on the news about a, a dairy farm in bc and unfortunately they had an outbreak of e coli and all of a sudden I look over at Caitlin and her eyes are about this big and she's all of a sudden I could see the wheels in her head turning that she has E. coli, even though she had not had any cheese from that uh, dairy farm or, you know, in a, in a good long while. So that's just her life. And that's how we've sort of managed. By the way, I don't know if you saw my video, Zach, last week about going through what I went through and uh, seeking help. And I had this shirt on and yeah. it's her shirt. Uh, more good days and uh, it's just a beautiful story but after four years of getting help she came to us and said yeah I'm starting to have more good days than bad and so this shirt has great meaning to us and just beautiful. Can anyone get it from anywhere? Yes you can in fact they have a, a site on Instagram okay. and it's called I'm glad you asked because I wrote it down just in case Perfect. it's called more good days clothing. More good days clothing. Perfect. And it's her and her husband Hayden uh, Hayden, Hayden is an artist and he, so he does all the artwork and it's beautiful. I recommend people going to their Instagram post and, and or my, uh, Instagram or Twitter, uh, yeah, Twitter, because, uh, I posted the front and the back of the t-shirt and it's just beautiful artwork and it, it has great meaning also because yeah, you can, back. yeah. And I'll, let's see if I can show you on the back. Can oh, you see it? that is cool. Wow. And it, for me, it means the, it's a garden. And uh, when we uh, first started going 
uh, to therapy with Kate. And one of the things we would do, uh, would, we'd breathe together and it could be for 15 minutes or it could be for three hours. And the goal was to get her to that garden. And so it signifies something really great to us. Well, I just saw that and I smiled when you had come mm -hmm. on. It just, it just makes you happy. Just, mm -hmm. just reminder. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's yeah. kind. Yeah. It's very yeah, kind. It's, it's very kind. And uh, in fact, after I did that video last week, uh, people sort of inundated their site and they had some inventory, but they didn't know what they're going to expect. Right. And so I think they sold out. And uh, now they have a number of things on back order, I believe. And uh, so, yeah, I, please, if it means something to you, go to their Instagram site and uh, order. It's beautiful stuff. Absolutely, we'll do so. Now, Kelly, how did you realize there's something wrong? Like, you know, for the people that don't know the book or don't know fully your story. Yeah. Because you guys were in the Stanley Cup at the time. Well, this was, it's the year we went to the finals, but my episode, again, what I'll call it, my, I went through something for really bad for two months, but it was in the summer leading to the 92-93 season that I, I started to have these thoughts. Again, I didn't know they were irrational. I thought they made total sense to me, and the thoughts were uh, that I can't keep doing this any longer. I can't keep playing at this level. They're all negative thoughts, and it was, about, it was a loop going around in my head. Uh, the stats are true that most players play like three, three and a half years at the most. Um, so whenever you see a guy like uh, Jerome McGinley or somebody, that's, those aren't the, the real odds. The odds are you don't play very long. And I happened to be in my 10th year at the time, and I thought it was all coming crashing down all around me. And uh, I couldn't stop that loop. And uh, I only found out about the existence of a loop for people with mental health issues. Again, is going through Caitlin and all her therapy, and she taught us that. Um, and so that in, uh, it was like uh, late November when it really started to hit me. And we were at, uh, in Milwaukee for one of those neutral site games back then. And I just had a, a you know, a, a breakdown or whatever the night before the game. I got through it somehow. And incredibly, I played great the next night. Uh, we beat Chicago and I was the first star, but then it just started chipping away. And finally, we were at home like two, three days or games later. And uh, we played Montreal and we tied 5-5. Barry Melrose, our coach, comes in. And he had great intentions, by the way. And he's talking to us and he said, and even Kelly can play better. And something in my brain just triggered right then. And I thought to myself, I didn't say it out loud, but I said, no, I can't. I, I can't play any better than this. And then that was the, you know, that was the end of my playing well. I just, I went right in a ditch. And uh, luckily for me, Barry, again, my great coach, uh, he figured out something that was wrong with me. And uh, he hooked me up with Tony Robbins. And I was able to use uh, Tony's expertise and, he, uh, he, he did great work with me and I realized that, uh, um, you know, my thoughts were all mixed up and, you know, I was on the road to recovery. It wasn't easy and I didn't get out of it uh, immediately, but over the course of time and the support of my coaches, Barry and Cap uh, Raider and my teammates, uh, yeah, we went to the finals that year. It was really an incredible journey for me. I, I ended up playing playing in the league five more years because of uh, Barry getting involved with my well-being. It's, you know, we always say it's an internal game and it's hundred percent that was it fear-based? Is that what was stopping you or what was it that was stopping you? 
Was it the crowds? Was it the pucks coming at you? What, what was it? Or was it just something in here that was saying I'm There's not- There's something in my head. And, yeah. and uh, the fact that I was going to lose my livelihood, I was a dad of uh, uh, soon to be three daughters. Um, at that time, we only had two, but our uh, third daughter, Caitlin, uh, was born in late January. So maybe that was part of it as well, that, you know, you got to make money and I'm a guy. And so maybe that had something to do with it. I've never really overanalyzed that. And, uh, uh, but there's lots of things going on in my head. And, uh, and like I said, I just could not stop it. It was constant. Can you imagine sleeping with that too? It's tough. Mm-hmm. It's funny how the more you talk about these things, you heal through it all. So like when you help Caitlin go to mm-hmm. that, you're healing in it as well and learning. Is it constantly for you now? I know, would you say you're always, are you a hundred now or, or better? Um, I'm getting better. I, uh, like I, I made clear in my video last week that I'm seeing somebody yeah. um, and I, I'm, I'm feeling way better, like holy, not even close. And uh, just feeling more confident, more like myself. And uh, I'm looking for the upcoming weeks because I, I know that it's going to be, you know, a journey, but a good one. And, and I'm willing to really dive in. That's the thing that uh, I think uh, is a quality I have. Like when I first saw my guy a few weeks ago, I just bared all, like I told him what I was feeling and, and why. And uh, it made a big, big difference, really big difference. Was it odd to commentate during the pandemic in the bubble? It was, and uh, <clears throat> everything's different. It, it, you know, for the first, uh, gosh, I think something like the first 40 days or something, uh, I did it all out of my uh, office in the basement, which I kind of liked. I, I have to admit it. You know, it was a different schedule, and I kind of liked it. Um, I got used to it over the course of time. But there was something in me that I thought near the end of the playoffs that I should go to Toronto and because it, it's a different broadcasting atmosphere when you're in a studio with everybody there. And there's a, it was because I had a time delay, same with Cassie Campbell Pascal. And so that sort of interrupted our ability to interact with the panel. Um, so you felt a little bit removed with that. And so I felt the need to go to Toronto and see uh, if it could be better there for me. And, and part of it was, I have to admit though, uh, again, my brain was a little bit uh, too hyperactive. And near the end of the playoffs, right in the finals, I started really paying attention to the rising pandemic numbers in Toronto. And uh, they were really starting to skyrocket and that scared me. And I just, I wanted to go home. So that was, that was a challenging weekend. I gotta tell you, I was, uh, I even talked to my bosses and they were fantastic, Zach. They were. They were outrageously kind. They said, if you need to go home, you can. So, but I, I, I gutted it out and I'm glad I did. But uh, yeah, there's just the numbers to me, uh, the, the, the whole pandemic scares me. Some people aren't as afraid as I am. And I guess I get that. But uh, for me, it's been something that's really been mm, top of mind. Oh, it's your health as well. You got to take care of it. <laughs> right? I'm a 60-year-old man. I mean, I'm, I'm not... 25 not that uh, people in their 20s don't have issues as well but you know i'm at that age where i have to be very careful you know a lot of people that got covid or contracted the virus uh well some of our family members oh no um, and we've had 
uh, a number of friends. Uh, so yeah, I think everybody's in that same boat. Like uh, I, I've said early on that I think everybody was affected by the pandemic in some way, whether it was mentally, physically, um, emotionally, and financially. And that's everybody. There's, there's not a family that was excluded from that list that I just mentioned. And so uh, it affected uh, our kids and, you know, their, their well-being. Uh, I don't mind sharing this also. Our daughter, Jessica, she's uh, um, the mother to our grandson, Maverick, and soon to be, uh, we're going to have another grandchild uh, here in the next few weeks. Um, but she's never had mental health issues and the pandemic got the best of her. Like it really got her. And uh, so that's what I mean. It, it affected everybody. And I, I don't think people are telling the truth if they said that their family was excluded. You know, it's getting cold, darker night or longer nights. It's tough out there. And yeah. No, no hope. That's the other thing. I'm oh, yeah, definitely. Um, how about you? Were you okay? You know what? It, it affected me as well. Yeah. And then constantly hearing the news just wears you out. <laughs> like I'm mm -hmm. so tired of it, Kelly. Mm -hmm. these, these cases, these numbers, they started becoming a blend. The days started becoming a blend and you just, mm -hmm. that's why I started podcasting. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to start interacting with people because oh, it's cool. Yeah. Well, you're doing a great job, man. I've, uh, uh, I've enjoyed our conversation so far, but I was so impressed. I went on your uh, site and uh, all the incredible guests you've had so keep it up this is good for people thank you kelly and i appreciate your time today you know i had a question for you yeah when you were a goalie and now you're a commentator what did you is it the same switch in your mind when you go time yes kind of um the the number one takeaway to think about uh, how i go about my job and the similarities between playing pro sports and being a broadcaster is that it's live so every mistake you make when you're playing goal is it's there for people to see and every mistake you make when you're doing uh, broadcasting on a live show again your mistakes are out there so you have to learn to accept that and and I do that's you know uh, sometimes it bothers me more than others and I'm trying to learn I guess to I don't know not be as critical of myself and be kinder to myself so but other than that, there's no, there are no similarities between broadcasting and playing hockey. It, you know, it happens to be the same sport, but to learn how to be a broadcaster is not anything you really learn in, in being a hockey player. Of course. Do you get nervous in big crowds or, or did that go way back? Like, was that gone? In the first <clears throat> That's a great question. Um, I guess I go back and forth. It's the weirdest thing when you're, when you're a broadcaster and you're broadcasting to some nights, millions of people, and uh, depending on the show you're doing, if it's a national show, certainly millions. And if you're doing like a Flames regional, it'll be at sometimes uh, hundreds of thousands. Um, and and that, does, that doesn't get me. In, in fact, it's the oddest thing sometimes. I go public speaking and uh, some of the crowds, uh, you know, are a thousand or two or I've done uh, a couple of former, uh, well, actually three former presidents. And uh, for Bill Clinton, I did him in uh, Kelowna at the uh, arena. I think there are 5,500 and I did uh, George W. Bush in Edmonton at the TELUS Convention Center. That didn't make me nervous, but you know what can? This is the oddest thing. If, I, if I'm asked to speak to a small group of people like 10 or 12 or 15, 
that makes me more nervous. And I think it's maybe because it feels more personal, right? If you're, you're speaking, eyeballs and yeah. yeah, if you're speaking to a thousand people, it just doesn't seem nearly as personal, but, but there, there are tricks around that too. Right. So I'm sure anybody that has public, uh, been public speaking, like I have, you find what I do and I love to do it. I find friendly faces in the audience and I look at them. I like people that smile at me and, you know, make <laughs> me feel good on stage. And so I don't know if I answered your question, but oh, you definitely did. Yeah. Do you have a favorite person that you played with during your career? No, um, I, I was so fortunate, Zach. I played with so many incredible people, so many, uh, people I still call friends and, and uh, you know, we just had the best of times. You know, it, it's funny though. I can tell you there's probably in all my time playing pro sports, 15 or 17 years, I can probably only count about 10 guys that I really don't like. And everybody else, maybe we didn't have the same sort of uh, interests or we didn't hang out a time, but I, you know, they weren't bad people. And that, that's pretty good considering all the people I played with, but uh, I just, I, you know, I was very, very lucky. Who was the, I forgot his name, he played for the Red Wings. Uh, they called him the, and I can take this out of here, but it was the, the <laughs> man, I think his name was. They just made a, a movie. Oh, Derek Bogard or, or, or Bob Prober? Prober, there we go. Yeah, both okay. of them were boogeyman, I guess, in a way. Yeah. Right, the, and uh, I never had a chance to meet Bogard, but uh, I ran into Bob Probert on occasion. And uh, yeah, just interesting guys and uh, wow. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a funny thing. You know, <clears throat> uh, I'm really glad to say that teams have uh, sports psychologists and, and psychologists just in general for the teams and the players now that the players can reach out. Uh, but it's still it's still an ongoing thing to get people to open up and talk about it. And I think some of the younger players in the league, Zach, are more um, prone to share what they're going through. Whereas I have talked to some veteran guys that are not sure if what they share with the doctor might be used against them uh, with say their club team or something. It, it's, it clearly wouldn't be because that would be a breach of trust by the doctor, but uh, um, to, to fully disclose what the patient's going through. But nonetheless, we're, we're making tons of progress, but not quite there yet. Can we see it in the next 10 years? Can you see that? I hope so. And I, I've, I've sort of used this line now for the last year. It kind of occurred to me, there's something going on socially in our world. And, uh, and I thought, wow, you know what that group of people, they're doing really well. And I, I didn't really approve of what their message was, but their messaging was great. Uh, I said, you know what, they're getting loud. And they're getting heard because they're loud. And I think people with mental health, <clears throat> we need to get louder. We have to keep uh, getting on uh, the, the politicians and, and the governments and let them know that what they've done so far, it's, it's good, but it's not enough yet. And until we get uh, people that have mental health issues, everybody with the access that they need, then then we'll be in a good place. And, I, and I'm with you, Zach. I, it's not going to happen in two or three years. But my goal is I hope in five or 10 that uh, people that have uh, do need to see somebody will have the ability to do so. You opened up and you became vulnerable to the world. Were you scared to open up? 
the time? I don't know. I don't, I don't really think so. Um, it's kind of in my nature that way. And, and uh, I'm also comfortable. I'm a crier. Like I, I cry at weddings. I I'm cry when I'm happy. <laughs> I do as well. I do as well, Kelly. It's, yeah, right. it's okay. It's okay. And look at us, uh, two men talking about it. it's okay. Oh, yeah. I, I can cry five, 10 times at night watching TV. <laughs> it's okay with me. Hey, if it touches, it does. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Like my eyes can get watery just thinking about oh, it. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I don't know. If, I've lost count how many times on these podcasts that I, we've been doing since the pandemic that uh, I've teared up or, you know, talked about something that just gets very emotional. It's cool. Yeah. I, I got to tell you, share you another story here. <clears throat> um, and it's not, I'm not trying to name drop, but uh, a friend of mine, uh, Brett Wilson, um, he has this Brett and Brett uh, golf tournament. It's just a small little tournament out in Invermere, and it's typically just 24 men. And we go out there for a couple of days and golf, and, and it's really fun. We share dinners at, at uh, one night, and at the dinner, 24 grown men talk about mental health. It's, it. it's the coolest thing, right? Like, you know, we're all open, we're sharing, and a few tears are shed, and it's good. I'm so happy we're doing this because, right? Bottle it up. You're not. It, take, it eats you alive. Yeah, it just does. Yeah, you're so right about that. Especially right now in times like this, when you're alone. Yeah, it can be mm -hmm. I think one thing uh, the pandemic has sort of taught us that uh, talking is good. Um, I know a lot of people have shared their story with me. And uh, whether, and this is not an exaggeration, exaggeration uh, Zach, um, Every single day I either get a text message, an email, a phone call, or maybe have a, a coffee or a, a short conversation if I'm in line at my local Tim's getting my coffee and somebody will say something, even with my mask on, somebody might recognize me or my voice and say, hey, we, we really like what you guys are doing for mental health. So it's, it's really, it's really great. Is there something you're proud of yourself for? Pardon me? Are you, what are you proud of, of yourself? Oh, that work that we're doing. Like I, I, you know, I'm proud of my playing days. I'm proud of my broadcasting career, but clearly the number one thing uh, I'm most happy about is the work our family has done talking about mental health. It, it is by far the best work we've done and, and we're going to continue to do so. And Caitlin's story is extremely inspiring, especially for this next generation. We can relate to that. And see. Sure. So you know, really cool. Uh, about a, just over a year ago, just before we started really understand about COVID and, and uh, the numbers were picking up worldwide before we had the lockdown and the real, what we have now learned about the worldwide pandemic. It was in December of uh, 2019 and uh, two major oil and gas firms in Calgary, like big ones, they invited Kate and I to speak to their employees and, and it was just so great because Kate tells her story really, really well and really impactful, really moving. And both the rooms I think had about a thousand people, but even better, they were virtual. So uh, one of the companies had, I think 4,000 people across the country watching. And the other company I think had about 2000 others uh, watching. So it, it's very impactful and she's doing such great work. And uh, she's had so many public speaking uh, gigs around uh, Western Canada that 
it's really cool to see that you've got a daughter like that. I appreciate your time today, Kelly. Thanks so much for this. Mm. My pleasure, Zach. We really enjoyed it. I'm glad we uh, had this great conversation. Finally, right? Yeah, yeah it was awesome. What yeah, is two oh, guys oh. talking about that for half an hour. <laughs>